Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. What does it really look like for us to live the blessed life? We hear the psalmist commend to us this path of blessedness, path of life, path of light, all the way from Psalm 1 and then here again in Psalm 32. But he gives us some practical instruction of what we can understand about being blessed and what exactly it is that leads to a blessed life. This is said to be St. Augustine's favorite psalm. He had it inscribed on the wall next to his bed, said James Montgomery Boyce, before he died in order to meditate on it better. This is indeed a psalm that gives us instruction, and it is a psalm that gives us hope. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord." and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart." The first thing that we see in this psalm about the blessed life is that it is a forgiven life. The one who is blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, that the Lord doesn't even count iniquity against the sinner. This is truly wonderful to think about, to have one's sins forgiven. Sometimes we don't consider the gravity of our sin, that we offend the Lord God, our Maker, our Creator, our Sustainer, by using the time and the breaths that He has given us in anything that is vain or against the propagation of His kingdom, the growth and the flourishing of those around us, and the glory of His name. When we sin, when we choose to do what is wrong in His sight, what is against the good life that He has set out for us, us, we sin against God. And it is no small thing. And so God, being gracious, forgives transgression, covers that sin, and counts no iniquity against the person in whose spirit there is no 
deceit. This is important because we can think of 1 John, which reminds us about walking in this path of light, path of blessedness. And if we do so, we must not deceive ourselves by thinking, one, that we deserve to be in that path of light, that we do it perfectly, that is the legalist who argues such a thing, or the other side that says, I am in the light, though I'm walking in darkness. Where there is no repentance, there is no forgiveness. And we see what happens when sin is not repented of, when it is not confessed. In verse 3, he says, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. The second thing we see is that unconfessed sin leads to brokenness. It it continues it. It even intensifies it. When sin is left unconfessed, it rots the core of our being. And for those of us that know Jesus Christ and walk with Him as believers, this is hindering our relationship with Him. It is keeping us from a sincere and good growing relationship with other believers. And any work that God wants to do through us is going to inevitably have some sort of weight that we are not meant to carry. The psalmist feels the weight of guilt of condemnation for his sin because he says, for day and night your hand, talking about the Lord, was heavy upon me. When we have grieved the Holy Spirit, there is a heaviness, a weightiness that is not pleasant, that is not uh, good, that doesn't contribute to our flourishing, and our strength is dried up as by the heat of summer. So, how do we escape this? I believe that all of us, especially as believers, have felt this kind of uh, conviction that comes by the Holy Spirit and that dries up our joy. And how do we escape it? How do we escape the brokenness? Well, it must be what the psalmist prescribes to acknowledge our sin, not to cover it up that it must be confessed to the Lord. He says, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, not just one, but many. And he forgives the iniquity of our sin. But there is such a thing as false confession, and Spurgeon draws our attention to that and says, ah, but there are too many who make confession, having no broken hearts, no streaming eyes, no flowing tears, no humbled spirits. Know ye this, That ten thousand confessions, if they are made by hardened hearts, if they do not spring from really contrite spirits, they shall be only additions to your guilt, as they are mockeries before the Most High. In other words, back to 1 John, a lie. We cannot say that we do not have sin, for we are lying. We must confess it before God and come before the Lord humbly as broken people needing that regeneration, that forgiveness, that hope, and that restoration that He promises to us. The third thing that we see is that path to forgiveness is confession, and so we must offer that confession and prayer to the Lord uh, and even to other people who we have wronged. And we do this, as verse 6 reminds us, when he may be found. There is an offer that will not always remain, especially for those outside of Christ. They must remember that there is not always going to be that opportunity. Oh, I will confess later. Oh, I will repent later. How do you know? 
that this is not your last day. Uh, We don't say that with morbidity. We don't say that with the understanding that we walk around gloomy saying, well, this might be the day I die. But instead of saying, let us make the best use of our time for the glory of God and the good and flourishing of our souls and for others. This masculine of David is an instruction. It is to remind us of the truth of God's word and of the hope of his forgiveness, that he is our hiding place, that he is the one that preserves us from trouble, that he surrounds us with shouts of deliverance. There is joy over the repentant sinner, and he will instruct us in the way to go, counsel And we're not to be like a horse or mule. You may say, why does he bring that up? I'm sure you've heard the illustration that one can be as stubborn as a mule. When we say, I don't have anything to confess, or there is nothing that I need to go to the Lord and tell him I have done wrong, we're being stubborn. And we are not being instructed in the way of righteousness. If we look into the perfect law of the Lord, if we read our Bibles, maybe you have a reading plan this year, and you read things that can, are convicting, and you say, oh, that sounds painful, we're moving on, uh, don't move on. Pause, ask the Lord to search your heart, and then confess any sin that you have that you need to bring before Him, and especially bet- between you and others you have wronged. If we say we have nothing to confess, we follow in the paths of the wicked, and that only continues the sorrow. But steadfast love, in verse 10, surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. The one who trusts in the Lord repents, confesses, follows the instruction God sets out before us. But notice that it's not just the steadfast love we receive, but joy. In fact, I believe that drudgery is a demon's religion. That if we approach the throne of God's grace, ho-hum and never with any kind of affectation of our hearts, that we're not affected, that we don't have any joy, that we just, oh, we're doing our thing, we come to church, we read our Bibles, yeah, yeah, on and on, making checklists of the things that are actually to be worship for us. It is good that we worship the Lord in gladness, rejoicing, and even shouting for joy. As a Baptist, that may surprise you that I would condone shouting, uh, but I believe there are times when we should shout audibly for joy, rejoicing in the God who is worthy of our praise. A clean heart is precious and freeing. If we want to really rejoice in the Lord, we must know who He is, His character, remembering the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and trusting our life in His hands, coming to Him in confession and faith. Is there joy in your life, in your worship? I pray it is so. And if it is not, may we look and see if there is anything we need to confess to God and ask for that cleansing, for the reminder that He will remove our sin as far as the East is from the West. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you give us to confess our transgressions, that our sins may be covered, that it may not even be counted against us. Lord, there have been times and seasons when I kept silent, when the sin that I had committed I kept inside and did not confess it, and instead tried to hide it and cover it as if I could do such a thing from the omnipotent, all-seeing, omnipresent God who knows all things. Lord, may I come to you quickly in confession, repenting of the ways I have been prideful, where I have not uh, gone to you in humility. Lord, may you continue to work in my heart a quick repentance, a quick confession, and the quick realization that you bring forgiveness 
totally, completely, and you bring with that forgiveness joy. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.